This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Pour yourself a cup of eggnog, warm your hands by the fire, and turn up your smart speaker. This is the Nick and Roy Christmas Special. Hi, I'm Nick, and Merry Christmas. Hey, I'm Roy, and Merry Christmas to you. Welcome. We're really thrilled that yes. you've joined us today because it is Christmas once again, and uh, even though this is a lot different Christmas than than Christmas's past, this is one of those Christmas traditions we say, you know what, we're going to leave this right in the cupboard where it belongs. We're not going to recreate this year's Christmas because it, you know, it is just unbelievable. Yeah, I think Santa himself is like enough with the 2020. <laughs> just skip right over. Just go past $2020. do not collect $200. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out in the end. In the meantime, let's talk about some Christmas traditions. And You know, things really suck, Nick, when you get a um, designer mask for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, what is that? I'm sporting a Gucci uh, PPE mask. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, a Gucci or, or Chanel or maybe uh, Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton masks available now. I have, I have a Louis. I, somebody gave me a Louis. I don't know if it's a real one, but it says Louis on it. Somebody gave it me a Louis. Louis Vuitton. It just says Louis. Louis. <laughs> maybe, wait a minute. I might have said it was Louis's mask. Oh, geez, I'm using know. somebody else's mask. I don't know. <laughs> and then you know what they had for breakfast. It's, it's Yeah, it is what it is. Up here in Canada, when you have a Louis, it's a whole different thing. That's a whole other issue. In the meantime, let's talk about some Christmas traditions. So we all love candy canes. Candy canes is one of the great symbols of Christmas. And candy canes were invented to keep the kids quiet. Legend has it that candy canes were invented in 1670 when the choir master of the Cologne Cathedral commissioned candies shaped like the shepherd's crook so they would be handed out to the children attending the church's service and it will keep them quiet. The stripes were added later, but it was this quiet, this, here's the alliteration. The Cologne Cathedral Choir Master commissioned candies, candy canes. <laughs> you say that like 10 times. Yeah. I got a cool one. You know, it's like, I'm dreaming of a white. Okay. So white Christmas, where does that all come from? Well, guess what? Between the 16th and 19th century, Global temperatures were significantly lower than normal, and it's what's what was known as the Little Ice Age. In fact, Charles Dickens grew up during this period and experienced snow for his first eight Christmases in a row. This white Christmas experience influenced his writings and also starts to begin this tradition of expectations of a white Christmas. <laughs> yeah, so no matter where you are, if you're having a white Christmas and you're expected to have a white Christmas, it's great. If you live in Florida where Roy is right now and you're experiencing a white Christmas, uh, pack up the kids and get out of town. Sugar plums have nothing to do with plums. From sugar plum fairy to the visions of sugar plums dancing in children's heads, sugar plums definitely have a place in everyone's Christmas lore. But 
what are they exactly? You might not have guessed it by their name, but these sweet treats are a type of candy. When they first came around in the 1600s, the term plum denoted any dried fruit, and typical sugar plums were made with a combination of dried fruit and spices that are rolled into balls, then coated with a hard candy shell. So sugar plums have nothing to do with plums. It's fruit, but it's packed with sugar. Animal crackers were meant for Christmas treats. You know, the, the box of animal crackers we all love were first introduced at Christmas in 1902. The string on the box, if you remember, was originally intended to be used to hang the boxes on Christmas trees. How cool. Yeah. Well, get this. Get, get ready for this one. This one I thought was really cool. In 1914, during World War One. There was what was called now the famous Christmas truce in the trenches between the British and the Germans. They exchanged gifts. They actually said no fighting on Christmas Day, okay? And they exchanged gifts, crossed into what was called no man's land, played football or soccer, I guess, and decorated their shelters, okay? And in the book... um, you can read about it in a book called Silent Night, the story of the World War II Christmas truce mm-hmm. by Stanley Weintraub. But, I mean, how cool is that? You go, okay, look, I know we're fighting a war for the last five years or whatever, but you know what? We're going to call it quits for Christmas. And they exchange gifts. How how human is that? <laughs> yeah, Exchange gifts as opposed to exchanging bullets. <laughs> yeah, see, what I would have done is I would have been like, Oh, uh, come over here, um, uh, Heinz. I have a gift for you, and it would be like, tick, 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 tick. <laughs> yeah. Why are you running? Come back here, <laughs> Heinz. So, is is he the guy that invented ketchup? No, I don't think so. Fruitcake was intended to last all year long. If you ever received a fruitcake as a gift. You probably know that those suckers can last a long time without ever being ever going bad, really, thanks to the preservative properties of the sugar and the booze that they contain. Actually, that's part of the design. They're originally intended to be baked at the end of the harvest season and saved to be eaten at the beginning of the harvest season the following year for good luck. Yeah, you're going to need good luck after eating year-old fruitcake. I, I love this one. This is another war one which I think is really cool, but this is World War II. Bicycle, the company that makes cards, they're called Bicycle, the, the company is Bicycle, the U.S. playing card company, manufactured cards to give to POWs, prisoners of war, in Germany during World War II as a Christmas present. These cards, when they soaked the cards in water, it revealed escape routes for the POWs <laughs> and information on how to get in touch with if they could break out and so on. How clever was that? <laughs> Very good. Who's the joker now? <laughs> well, if you dip them in water, so I guess they use the toilet. Talk about a straight flush. and if it was the king it was a royal flush ah yes there you go (laughs) you're listening to the nick and roy christmas special we normally do totally useless information but we thought we'd put aside our useless information and bring you useless christmas information christmas is not useless it's just the information we're bringing you i'm going to bring you now some tradition some christmas traditions from around the world in ukraine what tradition it's a tradition Yes, welcome to the, the Kardashians. Maybe, you know what, I think I had Kardashian in my mind. Don't ask me why. 
It's a Kardashian tradition. Oh, that's the backup on her. <laughs> yeah. So uh, these are Christmas traditions from around the world, the world, the world. And you since know what I wanted for Christmas, what? How did you know what I wanted? What? Beep, beep. Oh. <laughs> I thought you meant you wanted Christmas traditions from around the world. No, you wanted Chris. You wanted uh, Kim Kardashian's backup jeans. <laughs> wow. Yeah. If this isn't warm and fuzzy, I don't know what isn't. Um, anyway, wow. in Ukraine, the strangest festive tradition is not one for the arachnophobes, where we would have tinsels and stars. Ukrainians use decorations that mimic the natural formations of spiders' webs, shimmering with dew. The tradition goes back to folktale about a poor widow who could not afford to decorate a tree for her children. Legend has it that spiders in the house took pity on the family's plight and spun the beautiful webs all over the tree, which the children woke up to find on Christmas morning. And spiders' webs are also considered to be lucky in the Ukrainian culture. So if people listen to our show, our Christmas show, mm -hmm. they can now tell everyone these cool things. So here's one. The three traditional colors of Christmas are red, green, and gold. But why? Well, red symbolizes the blood of Christ. Green symbolizes life and rebirth, and gold represents light, royalty, and wealth. Those are the three colors of Christmas, red, green, and gold. Oh, that's pretty cool. As we continue our journey around the world, as you're listening to the Nick and Roy Christmas special, the world, world, world. Um, in Germany, pickle in the tree. The Christmas tree. Oh, it's a pickle in the tree. I got my pickle in the tree. Uh, where, where do the pickles come from? Which part of Germany? Which city? The Christmas tree tradition embraced around the world today is believed to have started in Germany back in the 16 back in the 16th century. So it comes to no surprise that our cousins still have funny customs relating to the festive trees. One of these is to hide a pickle somewhere in the branches of the tree and give a gift to whichever child in the household finds the pickle. Some claim the tradition the tradition may not be German after all. One legend says that the Christmas pickle originated in Spain with two young boys who were held as prisoners inside a pickle barrel. It was St. Nicholas who rescued the boys and brought them back to life. Either way, a pickle on the Christmas tree is a tradition we can really get totally behind. Mm, are you speaking of Kim Kardashian again? <laughs> okay, tinsel. While we're on Germany, yes. tinsel was invented in 1610 by the Germans. And it was actually originally made out of real silver. How crazy is that? Wow. You know what that would be now? Wow. That would be an expensive tree. <laughs> yeah, it would be. As we continue our traditions yeah. from around the world, 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 there is a festive sauna in Finland. Many homes in Finland come equipped with their own sauna. That's nice. And at Christmas time, the cozy spot becomes a sacred space associated with long dead ancestors. On Christmas Eve, it is customary to strip naked and take a long and respectful stint in the sauna, which is also believed to be home to the legendary sauna elf. 
After the sauna session, the Finns head out to the evening celebrations while spirits of those ancestors take their place in the sauna. So they're like, we're going to the sauna to play hide the pickle. <laughs> well, my question would be, the dead ancestors, the spirits of the dead ancestors, are they also naked as well when they show up at the sauna? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, what are they doing? Well, I guess so. They don't go off with clothes on, Nick, you know. But what are they doing hiding out in the sauna? Speaking of around the world, 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 the old English custom of wassailing, wassailing, was to toast someone's long life at Christmas tide. This is really like weird, the English. And it was the forerunner to the tradition of Christmas caroling, which only comes around in the 13th century by St. Francis of Assisi, who began the custom of singing carols in church. And then, of course, they went outside the church. But they were toasting people, and it was originally called wassailing. And, of course, the English toast everybody because they're half in the bag all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have a pint. (laughs) Merry Christmas to you. What were you doing when the accident happened while you were drunk? I was sailing. You were sailing. (laughs) I was sailing. Okay. Okay. In Sweden, as we uh, round up my version of Christmas traditions around the world, 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 in Sweden, the very special Disney Christmas special, Donald Duck and His Friends Wish You a Merry Christmas, is played every single year. Every Christmas, families would gather around the television at 3 o'clock sharp to watch Donald Duck. Everything is planned on Christmas around this television special. Over 40% of Sweden's population still tune in like clockwork. The tradition dates back to the 1960s, actually, when televisions were the new commodity in Sweden and only two channels aired, one of which played Disney cartoons at Christmas. And it may sound like a quirky tradition, but a whole nation coming together to watch Christmas cartoons together is about as Christmas as it could possibly get. Wow. Okay, so, folks, I have, uh, like, three quickies, and these are all have to do with music. And Christmas, of course, is about music. Hell, we listen to it for like the same damn songs over and over again, but they are fun. Brenda Lee, which is rocking around the Christmas tree. Great classic. Okay, Brenda Lee, she performed that song when she was 13 years old. Brenda Lee was 13 when she sang Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Brenda Lee is now 142. Okay, famous saxophone, and now get ready for this one. On the song Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree was a famous saxophone player whose name was Boots Randolph. You're listening to the Nick and Roy Christmas special. It's a very special episode of Christmas information for you as we travel around the world and talk about different Christmas traditions. Animals are a big part of uh, Christmas traditions and stories. Let's talk about camels and the donkey. The three kings who predicted the birth of Jesus were depicted as arriving on the backs of camels. It is also widely believed that Mary arrived in Bethlehem on the back of a donkey. And a donkey carried Jesus into Jerusalem, for which reason the Jerusalem donkey is said to have a cross-shaped mark on its back. In fact, until the 19th century, St. Nicholas was also typically shown riding a donkey or a horse-drawn sleigh, reindeer being a later Scandinavian modification. So camels and donkeys run Christmas time. Pretty, pretty important. 
what about this one? Since Denny's restaurants in the U.S. were originally designed to perpetually open, they saved a fortune by not putting locks on their doors, okay? But in 1988, they decided to close on Christmas Day for the first time, and it became a real problem because they didn't have locks on their doors. Oh, that's something. Yeah. So I, I think... Uh, in so one they of just went inside and they got some they got some smoked salmon and put it on the door. But <laughs> you got no locks? Put it over here. Bring a bagel. So you see, this is how warped both of our minds are. I was going to ask you if there were bagels around those locks. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? The guy they said, "Listen, Bernie, you stay here. You got nothing to do today." <laughs> sure, make fun of the Jew. Yeah. Hanukkah's <laughs> over. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And and because because Denny's was closed, they ordered Chinese takeout. Okay. Reindeer. <laughs> Around the world, public interest in reindeer peaks at Christmas time. According to folklore, Santa's sleigh is pulled by flying reindeer. They were the first named in the 1823 mm. poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, which were called Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid, Dander and Blixen. Dander was later changed to Donner, and in other words, Donner, which in German means thunder, and Blixen was, <laughs> was, and Blixen was later changed to Blixen, which was then German for lightning. Mm. So Blitzen Winter and Blixen. Right. So some consider Rudolph as part of the group as well, though he was not part of the original named work, you know, as we talked about earlier. But Rudolph was added by Robert L. May in 1939 in his book, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, and actually the Germans changed them again in the 1930s, and they were like, Und Barma und Blitzkrieg! <laughs> Blitzkrieg! <laughs> A little bit of history. Obama instead yeah. of Don. Yeah, okay. Obama. <laughs> okay, this is a cool fact, folks. Get ready for this one. The oldest artificial Christmas tree dates back to the late 1800s, and they were made out of green raffa, this thick grass, like thick grass hula skirts or dyed goose feathers. But the Addis Brush Company used the machinery that wove toilet brushes. Now, think about a toilet brush. It kind of is like a folded over type of Christmas tree looking thing. And all they did was paint them green or dye them green. And they made Christmas trees from the Addis Brush Factory, who was actually the company that made the pooper brushes instead of the Christmas trees. I do remember those trees, though. I remember that uh, my dad would go up into the attic and grab the big box of this Christmas tree. But by the fourth or fifth, maybe sixth year, the box was totally tattered. It barely held anything together. He, he held it together with, um, I don't think it was duct tape, it was masking tape. You know why? You know why? Because during the year, it wasn't used as a Christmas tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think of my Christmas trees? It looks kind of crappy to me. I don't know about you. but <laughs> <laughs> he's stuffed up again? <laughs> oh, yeah. So we talked about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> we mentioned how Robert L. May created Rudolph in 1939 as an assignment for the Chicago-based Montgomery Ward. The retailer had been buying and giving away coloring books for Christmas every year. And it was decided that creating their own book would save money. So Robert May considered naming the reindeer Rolo or Reginald 
before deciding upon the name Rudolph. May said his daughter liked reindeer, and she and he said he was treated like Rudolph as a child. Remember, Rudolph was bullied. Mm. While May was pondering how to best craft this into a Christmas story about a reindeer, he was staring out of his office window downtown Chicago, and a thick fog from Lake Michigan blocked his view, giving him a flash of inspiration. Suddenly, I had it, a nose, a bright red nose that would shine through fog like a spotlight. The cultural significance mm. of a red nose has changed since the story's publication. In the 1930s popular culture, a bright red nose was closely associated with chronic alcoholism and drunkards. So the story idea was initially rejected. May asked his illustrator at Montgomery Ward, Denver Gillen, to draw a cute reindeer using zoo deer as models. The alert, bouncy character Gillen developed convinced management to support the idea of having a red nose and not because the reindeer was drunk. You're listening to the Nick and Roy Christmas special. Well, we had Christmas around the world. I'm going back around the world again because this is a cool one. Since 1570, the largest Christmas market in the world is held in Europe. And, of course, we know where it's held, Nick. France. Born Germany. <laughs> Unser Lichtenstein. Rhein. Okay. It's called Christkindlesmarkt in Nuremberg, or Nuremberg, Germany. And it's held every year and has been held every year since 1570. Folks come from all around the world to visit this Christmas market. Well, here in Toronto, uh, year after year, there's a, a Christmas market that's uh, based on the German Christmas market. One of the organizers visited the German Christmas market one year, and they decided to bring that sort of tradition here to Toronto. So every year in downtown Toronto in a place called the Distillery District, which has some amazing restaurants, by the way. So if you're ever in, in Toronto once um, the pandemic comes down a bit and you come to visit Toronto, uh, visit the Distillery District. It's a great spot with some amazing restaurants. But at Christmas time, they actually have a Toronto Christmas market, including a special visit by Santa Claus. That's what I hear. Just a ah. Yeah, there you go. So as I was saying, so I'm up here in Toronto, Canada, and that's one more uh, story about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but it's the annual Christmas event that happens every year since 1964, the stop-action animation classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It aired right before Christmas on several television networks. Uh, I know I remember watching that as a kid. What few will know, however, is that the American production featured all Canadian voices except for the American star Burl Ives, who voiced the snowman, as you remember. The bendable puppets were designed in America and built and filmed in stop action in Japan. As to why the American production company Rankin Bass came to Canada for their voices, it's talent and money. Canadian voice actors in Toronto were among the best in the world and perhaps, more importantly for the American company, were very inexpensive. And because there was no really strong Canadian actors union, the actors got paid for their work but never received any residuals after the initial broadcast. Burl Lives, however, his estate continues to collect royalty checks since 1964. So there you go. So the you know, voices, it's yeah. funny because the Canadians did the voiceovers, but the actual stop animation was done in Japan, which is the reason why Burl Lives' character of the snowman is driven around in a rickshaw. Hey, wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. Wait, wait. That's just, you're mixing the references. That's China. It has rickshaws. Oh, yeah. They don't have rickshaws in Japan. No, they don't. They were driven around in Toyotas. That would be, make more sense. Ah, 
Oh, that's it. That's right. Yes. We should start up a, a, a rickshaw company, and the name of the company would be Rickshaw Transportations. Rickshaw, Rickshaw's Transportation. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. That's, okay, I have two things. Well, there are two firsts, Christmas firsts. Here's the first song ever sung in space was Jingle Bells. It was the first sung by astronauts Tom Stafford and Wally Shearer in space, December 16th, 1965. Here's another first. The first company to use Santa Claus for a seasonal promotion was Coca-Cola. They're the first ones to use a fully dressed Santa Claus. And you can almost see that that jolly Santa Claus picture, uh, that Coca-Cola one, because they used it so much, you know? It's really cool. Yeah, it is. And that's where, actually, the, the drawing of Santa Claus was... Uh, was for a Coca-Cola ad. So the uh, Santa Claus is a lot different than Sinterklaas or the uh, St. Nicholas uh, drawings that you see. No, do you know, Nick, the largest Christmas gift ever given? Uh, Kim Kardashian jeans. I'll give you the year, too. I'll, I'll, not, no, not Kim Kardashian's. <laughs> beep, beep. Okay, no. The largest, it was in 1886 on Christmas Day, and it was given... I said French. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. The Statue of Liberty. The Statue oh. of Liberty was gifted to the U.S. by the French uh, on Christmas Day, 1886. It weighed 225 tons, and thus it's considered the largest Christmas gift ever given. Well, and, and I guess she said, does this torch make me look fat? Yeah, 200 tons fat. Yeah. It's fat Kardashian's got 200 tons behind it, but anyway. That's right. You're listening to the Nick and Roy Christmas special. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you're enjoying this holiday season as different as it may be from uh, other years. But you know what? At least you have a chance to listen to us. We really appreciate that. You listen to us all year round from all the way around the world. We do really appreciate it. So we thought we would give you some uh, Christmas facts for you to kind of talk amongst yourselves at the dinner table as you're socially distanced. Now, we all know the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. Now, The Twelve Days of Christmas have other meanings other than the name of the lyrics in the song. For example, on the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree, which symbolizes God's true love and Jesus being the partridge, right? Because Jesus was born on Christmas. On the second day of Christmas, two turtle doves were the Old and New Testaments. So the 12 days of Christmas have hmm. biblical references. On the third day of Christmas, three French you're hens. Going, you're going through all 12 next? No, no, I'm, I'm going to do the first six, and then I'll give you a chance to talk, and then we'll do the next six. Okay. On the oh, I'm sorry. I thought this yeah. was a dreams, the dream segment. No, it's not. Three French hens. <laughs> three French hens is what we had for dinner at Christmas time. Represented three gifts of faith, hope, and love. Fourth day of Christmas, the calling birds with the four gospels. The fifth day of Christmas, the five golden rings were the books of Moses. And the sixth day of Christmas, six wow. geese laying stands for the six days of creation. More to come after Roy. Wow. So they all have these biblical reasonings behind them and, and stories behind them. Exactly. Well, I'm eggs. No. Okay. Did you I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and do two more Christmas firsts. These okay. are Christmas firsts. Okay. And this one started it all. The first Christmas was celebrated on December 25th, 336, 336, in Rome. That was the first celebrated Christmas on record. Also, 
Hallmark introduced its first Christmas card in 1915. Back to the geese laying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you said Christmas was was first celebrated December 25th, 336, was it a.m. or p.m.? I wasn't sure where you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven swans of swimming were the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. The eighth day with the eight maids of milking were eight beatitudes. The ninth day, the nine ladies dancing were the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, such as charity, peace, and kindness. On the 10th day of Christmas, the 10 lords of leaping represented the 10 commandments. On the 11th day of Christmas, the 11 pipers piping were the 11 apostles. And you're thinking, wait a minute, weren't there 12? Well, one guy was still on, on mute on Zoom. On the 12th day of Christmas, the 12 drummers drumming represented the points of the apostles' creed. Yeah, the 11th one's kind of interesting because there are 12 apostles, but maybe at that time there were only 11, and then the 12th guy came along and uh, he was late. He was going to the washroom. Yeah, probably. You know, the first state to declare in the United States, Alabama was the first. These are all Christmas firsts. Okay. Alabama was the first state to declare a legal holiday, Christmas, in 1836. They said, we need to declare this an actual holiday. And the last state was Oklahoma. In 1907, they waited till 1907 to declare Christmas a holiday in Oklahoma. I guess because the wind is riding on the plane. <laughs> Oklahoma. Who the hell knows what they're doing in Oklahoma? We don't know. Uh, what was it? Uh, riding in the carriage with the fringe on top or something? I don't know. Now, if we take yeah. the 12 days of Christmas, every year the PNC Bank calculates the Christmas price index which reveals how much it would truly cost the gift of everything from the 12 days of Christmas. So the 12 days of Christmas this year will set you back $16,168.14. Now, the cost of Christmas decreased by 60% in 2020 because in 2019, it was $38,993.59. So there you go. So this is the annual index as the bank comes up with. And by the way, the seven swans of swimming are the most expensive gift at 23125 And the three French hens, $210. Wow, so that's that's pretty interesting. So, yeah, so in case you wanted to give someone um, the, the 12 days of Christmas, yeah, that's how much it'll, it'll set you back. My goodness gracious. There you go. Wow. Well, that's inflation for you. You know, Christmas trees are grown in every single state. In the United States, all 50 states, including Alaska and Hawaii, grow Christmas trees. Wow. How crazy is that? But California, Oregon, Michigan, Washington, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina are the top Christmas tree producing states in the United States. Well, speaking of Christmas trees in Germany, in the 700s, St. <laughs> Boniface a British monk was preaching a sermon at the town's nativity scene. He tried to convince the devoted townspeople that the oak tree was not sacred as they idolized it as such. The tree fell and toppled everything except for a small fir. The monk interpreted it as a miracle and called it the tree of the Christ child. By the 1700s, the popularity of the Christmas tree spread to North America, whereas Roy mentioned every state in the United States grows Christmas trees. Well, how's about this one? The largest floating Christmas tree in the world is 278 feet tall. 
that is huge 278 feet tall and it's floated out in the bay in rio de janeiro brazil that is where the largest floating tree is folks you can't learn this stuff anywhere else and, you know, what they did was they waxed the tree before it left Brazil. Now, the tradition of kissing under... <laughs> wow, that's that's what you call trimming a tree from Brazil. Yeah, okay. You do the math, folks. You figure it out. Okay. Uh, Old Brazilian okay. trim. So, as an aside here, okay, as you're listening to the Nick and Roy Christmas special, so every year I, I MC um, an event, a golf tournament, actually, for one of the uh, coffee places up here. It's called Coffee Time. And, uh, and one of the suppliers is Brazilian Coffee. And so they're one of the sponsors. So every year I would say uh, this portion of uh, the uh, golf tournament is brought to you by Brazilian Coffee. Smooth and delicious. <laughs> Smooth Brazil. Yeah, there you go. And now let's go back to Roy with more about Christmas trees. Yeah, Christmas trees are sold in the U.S. since 1850. And on average, most people don't know this, it takes six to eight years for a Christmas tree to become fully grown. In some cases, it can take up to 15 years. But once a Christmas tree is harvested, they plant two or three in its place so that we don't ever run out of Christmas trees. It's kind of a smart move. You take one, you plant three. You're kind of saying, well, I got a good future here with trees. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Do you know the largest living uh, Christmas tree is believed to be 122 feet tall? It is 91, it's a 91-year-old Douglas fir in Woodville, Washington. That's the lar tallest living Christmas tree, I believe, in the United States. I'm not sure if it's the world. 122 feet, 91 year old. I wonder where was this? What state was this? Wood Woodenville, Washington. Washington the state. state of Washington. I want to call Washington uh, information like 411 and ask them. Excuse me, can I speak to? Do you have a phone number for Douglas Fir? He's 90 years old. <laughs> He's 91. He's 91. Happy birthday, Dave. Douglas Fir. <laughs> Douglas Fir. So the tradition of kissing under the mistletoe originated with fertility rites. The hanging sprig is a very ancient symbol of virility, and therefore anybody standing beneath it is signaling that he or she is sexually available. Isn't that nice? You, you hang out under the mistletoe to let people know you're ready to go. All right? Well, the Druids prescribed mm. it for female infertility and an antidote for poison. Mistletoe was a plant of love, peace, hope, and harmony. Its name was derived from mista, meaning dung. That's right, dung. Since the plant is derived from seeds in the bird's poop, okay? For the Scandinavians, the mistletoe belonged to the goddess of love, Frigga. The kissing custom is believed to have started due to the romantic association with the goddess of love, Frigga. You kiss under the mistletoe if you're feeling fertile. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that that's like, that's why it's Frigga. Get that Frigga <laughs> mistletoe out of here. The Frigga you doing? Okay, the first president, Franklin, was to put a Christmas tree in the White House itself was Franklin Pierce. He was the first president. But did you know this one? that trees were banned in 1901 from going into the White House. Christmas tree, a live Christmas tree was banned by Teddy Roosevelt. He said it was environmentally upsetting. That's amazing. 
Well, I um, I am done with my facts, but I just wanted to share some of the uh, from the memories of Christmas's past. As you've been listening to the Nick and Roy Christmas special, we thank you very much for tuning in week after week as we usually present totally useless information. And we will come back in the new year with brand new stuff. In fact, our fourth season is about to begin with some amazing stuff. So we'll give you more details coming up. But I remember as, as a kid going to midnight mass, and it was the longest midnight mass ever. It was like over an hour and a half. And as, as like a seven or eight or nine year old, it was just like just brutal just to listen to them. Like, okay, let's get on with it. We know Jesus is born. Come on, let's go. Santa's visiting. Let's go. But by the time we got back to the house at one thirty, maybe quarter to two in the morning, Santa had indeed stopped by and brought lots of presents. So we had um, we lived with my grandparents. We lived in a two family house, and the basement was a was a shared space. So we had Christmas presents on that level, and we had a Christmas tree up in our level, up on the third floor, and we had presents up there too, which is really amazing. But my most memorable Christmas was when I was eleven. I had asked for a bike, and I got a bike. It was a Ross bike with the chrome fender, if you remember. And as I'm looking at this bike, because I was really thrilled, I noticed there was a thumbprint on the chrome fender it was santa's fingerprint now i didn't know anything about dna but man i should have just taken that fingerprint i could have sold it on ebay or something but that was really really cool yes you actually thought it was yeah exactly it was like well because at 11 years old i was still in that zone where I, i wasn't sure but when i saw that thumbprint i was still okay for another year uh because santa is real no he's not jewish he's not israel santa is real it sounded like Santa's in Israel. So I have one more fact that I want to I want to give before we go. In for two months in advance in Japan, people do something in like the August, September, October. They book seats. <laughs> Get ready for dinner, Christmas dinner. It's a Japanese tradition to eat at KFCs. What? <laughs> I swear to God, this is true. Okay, it's a popular tradition. To, so they book in advance seats for two months in advance to eat at Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan. So I just want to say that. Now, in closing, in closing, Christmas is such a great time, especially this year. We need a great Christmas. We need some some real uh, family time of, of enjoying uh, each other. Yes, I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas, and I hope that 2021 is a completely different year. For me, Christmas is all about spending time with family and so on. I, I, I think that some of the greatest Christmases were watching my son open up gifts, which was, like, so cool. And uh, just uh, love having Christmases. I hope I have another 100 Christmases with my wife. And uh, so Merry Christmas to everyone out there. We love Christmas. It's a special time for us. I know Nick is a nut for Christmas. And, um, you know, but uh, we love doing the show for you guys and coming close to the end of the year. And we want to thank you guys for um, listening to the show and, and really T- turning our website into sometimes it's hard to even get on nickandroy.com it is it is so amazing what you people are doing listening to the show all around the world and uh, we want to thank you so much and say merry christmas to you that's uh, your christmas um, it's a christmas gift to us really 
Uh, we do appreciate it. We don't take uh, your listenership for granted. We uh, put in a lot of work every week just to entertain you and to inform you. As we say, listen, laugh, and learn. And as I mentioned, in season four coming up, we have lots to listen to, lots to laugh about, and lots to learn. We'll have a lot of special guests from the world of science. We're going to invite uh, our friend from the food world, Leon Philipson, an award-winning Leon Philipson. So ever since uh, since she came on our show a few weeks ago, she became an award winner. This is what happens to some of our guests on our show. And of course, your feedback. So go to nickandroy.com, send us all kinds of feedback. We really do appreciate it. We thank you for listening all year round. And that's all the time we have for this year's Nick and Roy Christmas special episode. Next week, we'll have our annual best of and blooper show. Or for some, just bloopers. <laughs> for some, just a regular show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. <laughs>